Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. Thanks for being with me today. You know something? I say this to you every week. If you're interested in living life at its best, you're at the right place because, man, Jesus came so that you could have life and live it to the fullest. And I ain't got nothing but good news for you. You know, the word gospel means good news. And I remember when I was a, you know, a young believer and a young minister and, uh, you know, I'd get around these guys and they'd kind of have this hard negative message and, uh, and, you know, they seem to be getting a lot of results, you know, from, you know, people getting saved and that sort of stuff. And I remember the Lord spoke to me and just said, look, look, if, if you're not preaching good news, you're not preaching the gospel. And, you know, what I began to see now that I've been doing this for almost a half a century, what I began to see is most of those commitments. It doesn't matter if it's salvation commitments. It doesn't matter what kind of ministry called to the ministry. Most of those commitments that were made out of fear, negativity, and pressure. The real truth is those people didn't live those commitments very long because, because that does not change your heart in a healthy, positive way. That does not endear you to God and bring about a loving relationship where you trust Him and, and everything you do, you do you know, because you love Him. You know, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I have a great marriage. And, uh, you know, I have a great marriage not because I'm a phenomenal husband and but uh, I have a great marriage because when you love somebody, you, you want to please them. Not, you're not trying to earn something you, you, because the word love has to do with value. And uh, sadly, and, and let me tell you this, you know, this is just such an important thing. And you'll see this, by the way, in my new book that's coming out called Behind the Veil. It's going to be released on World Changer Weekend. And uh, uh, so it'll, it'll be available for purchase then. But... Uh, <clears throat> God has value for us. Now, we have this tendency to whatever our view of life is, if we're negative, if we're critical or whatever, then we read the scriptures in a way that causes us to see God as negative and critical. And so really what we do is we read the scriptures and we create a God in our own likeness and image. And then we become more like that God that we've created because you become what you perceive. You become what you behold. And when you're looking at a, a mean, negative, creative God, I mean, uh, critical God, you're going to become mean, negative, and, and critical. And, and it's such a tragic thing because, because God values you. He considers you precious. He holds you in high regard. And he, he felt that way about you even before you ever gave your life to Jesus. And if we fall in love with him, then we're going to have value for him. We're going to hold him in high regard. And I, I'm, just going to, I'm just going to tell you this. Most of what religion has told us about God has not been true and has not produced value and trust and love and, and relationship. You know, I've been talking to you really for the last two months about the, what we call the truth about Job. Why bad things happen to good people? How Job got into this situation and how you can get yourself out of this situation. I'm telling you, that's crucially important that you, that you understand how Job got there and that you understand how to get out of this 
out of this situation. Any of us can find ourselves in situations that number one are just incredibly overwhelming. And I'll tell you what else you can always find. There are no lack of people to tell you that you're in this situation because of some secret sin in your life, because you don't have enough faith, because of whatever, 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 whatever. Now, let me tell you something. If, if when you're faced with, with a situation, a negative, threatening situation, the truth is you, your first response to that situation is going to determine the path that you walk, the process that you take to try to get out of that situation. This means that if your first response is incorrect, or if you start asking yourself questions, which basically means you're hesitating, you're not taking action, or even worse, when you ask yourself the wrong questions, you always get the wrong answers, which means you start down the wrong path because you're making, you're making the wrong assumptions about, about what's going on with your life. And, uh, you know, my background, before I got saved, I was, I was a musician. I played in bars and, you know, and of course I grew up in bars. You know, my dad owned bars and uh, I, was, I was telling Brenda the other day, we were watching something. I can't remember what it was. And it brought back this memory. You know, when I was about 10 years old, when I needed money, I would go down to the local, one of the local pool rooms, which was a beer joint, you know, a bar. They cooked hamburgers and hot dogs. And they had pool tables and they had pinball machines. And back in those days, you played pinball machines and it was a form of gambling and you could, you could win money. And so it cost a nickel to play uh, 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 on, the, on the pinball machine. And so I would go down there with 25 cents and I did it so much that I got pretty good at it. And it wasn't unusual at all that I would walk out of there with a dollar or two dollars or sometimes even five dollars. Now you gotta, you gotta realize in, in 1959, 1960, 1961, if you, had, if you were a kid and you had five dollars in your pocket, you, you were loaded because back in those days, you know, our, our, an allowance was about 25 cents a week. So, uh, so I'd go down there and this is, this is one of the ways that, that I would make money. And uh, 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 I won't go into all the details, but anyhow, so hanging out in these bars, you know, I saw a lot of stuff. And, and you know, my brother hung out in these bars. We, he was a pool hustler. At, at 12 years old, he could beat most adults, and, and he did. And he, and he won money playing pool. I won money playing pinball machines. And, uh, but man, you see all kinds of stuff. So from those early days of hanging out in these bars, and then later on as a musician playing in bars, I'll tell you one of the things I saw quite a few of, that was bar fights. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I learned some lessons about bar fights, but I learned some lessons about life and protecting yourself watching these things unfold in these bars. And here's, here's what I saw in a bar fight. I saw that the person who punched first nearly always won. You know, fights are not like they're on television. Uh, it's not, you know, you don't just beat on each other and beat on each other and there's no blood and and, and people are still conscious and on their feet. Now, usually one or two licks, everything is over. And the guy that loses, the thing I noticed about the guy that loses is, is he hesitates. Now, 
You know, now, when I look at the microcosm, macrocosm of that, I think about these government leaders that when we're dealing with corrupt countries that hate us and want to kill us and, 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 and you know, they want to steal from us, they, they want to wipe us off the map, they want to destroy our economy, and these politicians, you know, you know, say, well, we'll just be nicer to them and then they'll leave us alone. I've got news for you. If you think that way, I hope and pray you never have a home invasion. I hope and pray you're never on the streets and, and somebody decides to mug you. I hope and pray you're never in a situation where your family's life is in danger because I tell you, only a fool thinks that you can appease uh, an angry, violent person through reasonable conversations. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells you you can't. The Bible tells you that, that uh, when you contend with an angry person, or when you reason with an angry person, whether they laugh or rage, you have no peace. And so, you know, you would see these people that would think they could just be nice and nothing would happen. And so they would hesitate. And in that moment of hesitation, they would get beaten to a pulp. And, you know, um, uh, experts on home invasion tell you that when you, if you have a home invasion, what well, you have about 30 seconds and if you don't make the right move in the first 30 seconds, then you and your family may die. Now, that's, that's, I know that's pretty scary. That, that's pretty dark. And you say, well, what, what in the world has that got to do with Job? Well, I got news for you. We know things that Job didn't know. And if you've been watching this, and by the way, if you haven't watched these previous broadcasts, you may want to turn this off and go all the way back to the first week in June and start there so that you can get this. Or you may want to order the series because in the series I go into a lot greater theological details than I can go into uh, in the time that we have on these, on these broadcasts. So you can get the series, The Truth About Job, which by the way, I've added two complimentary uh, bonus messages that you can download for free uh, when, you, when you purchase the series. And the great thing is you can download it, you can purchase it online and you can be listening to it in 15 minutes. But anyhow, see Job really, even though he had a lot going for him, he was a righteous man, he did not respond properly to this problem. Of course, Jesus had not come yet. Now that's one of the craziest things about the book of Job is people look at the book of Job or they look at other things that happened in the Old Testament and they look at the way people handled those things without ever taking into account that was prior to the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now that Jesus took our sin, took all that we deserved for that sin, took all that we should have taken, He became the propitiation, the absolute appeasing and satisfying of all the righteous requirements of the law, the satisfying of all the all requirements uh, for us to have peace with God for all that we need, that needed to happen for us to be able to, to share our lives with Jesus. That's what, happened, that's what happened on the cross. And in His resurrection, He obtained a new covenant and, uh, and he shares that covenant with us. He defeated the devil. The, de the devil has been stripped. He has, been, he has no power. He has no authority. You know, sometimes people say, well, wait a minute. The Bible says he's the prince of the power of the air. Well, you know what? The way Paul uses that word air, every time he uses it in the New Testament, he uses it in a way to point to something that is meaningless. You know, he, 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 says, he says, you know, if a person speaks in a tongue without giving an interpretation, it's, 
of speaking into the air. In other words, it is meaningless. It has no value for people. It has no effect on people. You go over to Corinthians where he talked about uh, this boxing, a shadow boxing, beating the air. And he says, man, when I run a race, I, I, I want to run it with the intention to win. In other words, I, I, I have a purpose. I'm not going to do it in a meaningless way. And the same thing if I'm in a fight, I'm not going to do it in a meaningless way. And he says, and I'm not going to beat the air. I'm not going to be a shadow boxer. In other words, I'm not going to fight an opponent that is only an imaginary opponent, that, is, that only exists in my mind. So whenever he calls uh, Satan the prince of the power of the air, and that word power is exousia, which is authority, he is saying he, is the, uh, he has authority over nothing. Him, him trying to exercise authority is like speaking into the air. Him trying to fight you is like beating the air. Unless, of course, you think that he can, and then you take yourself into a dimension of defeat that's based on your beliefs that has nothing to do with what the devil is or, or isn't doing. But see, we have dimensions in Jesus that Job did not have. Now in Ephesians 6.15, it talks about putting on the whole armor of God. It's, it's not trying to draw you into these goofy concepts of spiritual warfare where you're out fighting the devil. You know, my thing is this. If Jesus has already won the battle, why are we still fighting it? You know, in our Ultimate Impact Group, which is our mentoring group, which you might want to check out. I have a personal mentoring online group, and uh, um, you may want to check this out. But, but you know, we, we were talking about it, and, and here, here's the question I ask. Um, is God and the devil still in a warfare? I got news for you. Nearly every Christian is going to say yes. Well, no, because Satan lost that battle uh, in heaven. Okay, so uh, uh, it, does Jesus and the devil, uh, you know, are they, are they in a warfare? N no, Jesus has already stripped him of all principality and power. So the question is then, is mankind in a warfare with him? No, other than in our mind. Every scripture in the New Testament that talks about warfare is talking about what we believe and the vain imaginations that we raise up and that we believe to be real uh, more than we believe the revealed knowledge of God that's written in his scripture. And people will say, well, wait a minute. What about Daniel? And what about Daniel? Jesus came and destroyed, obliterated this whole rank system that we have been taught over the years of, of this hierarchy, this demonic hierarchy and this great organized demonic kingdom. Listen, he is the prince of confusion, not the prince of order. All right. So in Ephesians, though, so all of these aspects of the armor actually point to some internal process. You know, the helmet of salvation is talking about the mind of Christ. You know, the breastplate of righteousness is talking about how you, what you use to guard your heart. You gird your loins with truth. You know, the, uh, uh, the, you know, you got the sword of the spirit. All of these are, are tools that internally we put on, not to go out and try to fight with some imaginary demon, but we put those on 
So we prepare ourselves that when we face any kind of situation, we have the mind of Christ. When we face any situation, truth is, is what is the center of our strength and what, what, you know, and what gives us all of our direction. You know, we, we, we've got the shield of faith that we quench the fiery darts. Well, there he is. He's throwing fiery darts. Well, if you look at fiery darts in the scripture, you'll find that almost always fiery darts have to do with thoughts or words that somebody speaks to you. So, you know, uh, the devil, I don't know, we have no proof that he ever actually personally attacks you and whispers in your ear. But I'll tell you what does happen. People who don't believe the word of God, they are the mouthpieces of the devil. And when people try to discourage you and beat you down, those are the fiery darts that come. And they're based on Luciferian truth that was introduced into the world nearly 6,000 years ago. And it's been repeated and repeated and taught and taught and taught. And people still believe it. And religions have been created around it. But in Ephesians 6.15, it says, Have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. Now, the, the sad thing is most Christians don't even know there is a gospel of peace. Uh, you know, uh, stop and think about it. God is the God of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The covenant that he established is the covenant of peace. The gospel that we are called to preach is the gospel of peace. We're supposed to let the peace of God rule in our hearts and minds. And I could just go on and on and on and on and on about all the things the Bible says about peace. I think this generation, you know, the top two things that we need to live and to be healthy uh, is, is, the, is the, to know the love of God, but know and believe the love of God, and know, believe, and experience the peace of God. And I got news for you. Uh, you can't believe that God is the God of peace when you believe that he is the one that's bringing the trouble, that it's a test, it's a trial or something like that. And, and number, you know, if you're believing that, you have to realize you're taking the name of the Lord in vain because one of his names is Jehovah Shalom. And if his name is Jehovah Shalom, he didn't just bring peace, he is peace. And if you're saying he's the one bringing the chaos into your life, then you are taking the name of Jehovah Shalom in vain. So how can you get the peace of God while accusing him of doing what the destroyer does? You know, the thief is the destroyer. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he's here to do. And, and that, a lot of that process happens through confusion, contradictory information, uh, uh, confusing people about the truth and this sort of thing. So, uh, so you want to realize this. In, in, in ancient battle, in any kind of hand-to-hand -hand combat, your footing is of the utmost importance. If you lose your footing, you lose your balance. If you lose your balance and fall down on the battlefield, you're dead. And so just like every, just like the mind of Christ and the righteousness in our heart and, and truth in our loins and, and protecting ourselves, our shield is our, is our faith. And, and uh, uh, the word of God, you know, the, uh, uh, we got the spirit of the Lord, you know, as, as a sword. Well, our feet, our stability is rooted in our knowledge and faith in, in the gospel of peace the good news that God made peace with Jesus after Jesus became our sin, after Jesus took all, and you can read this in Isaiah 54, and Jesus took all of the wrath, you know, that we deserved. He took all the punishment that we, that we deserved. And, uh, and then, then God said, now listen, you know, uh, 
I turned my back on you for a moment. I poured my wrath out on you, but, but now my kindness shall not depart from me. As a matter of fact, he says, he says, this covenant of peace that I'm making with you is like the covenant that I made with Noah, where I swore to him that no more shall the waters ever cover the earth again. Well, likewise, I will never have wrath on you again. Well, we believe the covenant of Noah. Why don't we believe the covenant that God made with Jesus? Well, most people don't even know he made a covenant with Jesus. And you say, well, what good does that do me? You see, because we've been taught that God made a covenant with us. I didn't, I didn't really make a deal with God. And I'm glad I didn't because if I had, a, it would be up to me and my character and my strength and, you know, my ability to, to believe and walk this thing out flawlessly to keep that covenant in place. Well, I, I can't do that and you can't either. But Jesus, he could and he did. And that's why God made this covenant with him. But the great thing is, when I got saved, I was baptized and you were baptized. That means immersed. It don't mean throw a little water on you. Immersed in something. You were immersed. You didn't get, you know what? I think some people got sprinkled. I think they just got a little Jesus sprinkled on them and, and their life is not consumed with Jesus and you don't see much of Jesus in their life. Well, I'll tell you what, when you believe on him as Lord, you are baptized. You are immersed into his body which means you are one with him, which means, you know, you are flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. You are, you are bound to him. And this means that nothing can happen to you without first happening to Jesus, unless it's something that you inwardly believe and choose. But God could not allow the devil to attack you unless he is going to allow the devil to attack Jesus because we're in Jesus. God cannot pour wrath on you unless he's willing to pour wrath on Jesus because we are in Jesus. Now, I'm telling you, people are like, well, you know, that, no, no, you know, that just doesn't make sense. Well, you know what? That's because it's an eternal reality and it doesn't, eternal things don't make sense to the carnal, natural mind. So, so in any situation, no matter what hits, you know, the, the other day uh, I, was, I was in my study I do a lot. I do some recording out here in our studio. I do a lot of recording up in up in my study, and I was doing some recording up there. And, and I saw one of my daughters walk by several times and look in there, and I could tell she needed to talk to me. So, so as you know, as quickly as I as I got as I finished making that particular video, you know, I went downstairs. And I said, well, you know, well, you want to talk to me? And she said, yes, I was. She said, I, I just got a call from Julie, which was you know one of my other daughters, and her son had been in a sporting accident. He's a baseball player. He plays baseball and basketball. And he had had a head-on collision with somebody. And he had a concussion. And uh, he, he didn't know how old he was. He didn't know what grade he was in in school. I, they just went down a list of questions that they asked him. And he had no idea. And could barely put sentences together. So, you know, they, they, they rush him to the hospital and they're talking about brain bleeds and the possible need for facial reconstruction and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, uh, Brenda and Summer and me, we just bowed. Now, now I don't know what you do when you pray. I can, all I can do is tell you what I do when I pray. Because I pray the way Jesus taught pray. I'm, I'm, I'm really very rarely ever asking God for anything other than wisdom. Uh, so, you know, bowed and, and just kind of let myself get in my heart zone for a second. 
And then I just began speaking life and peace over him. And so, you know, a minute or two, three minutes, I just stopped and I waited. You said, well, what were you waiting for? I was waiting for peace because I just spoke the word of God into this situation. And the Bible says that the peace of God that passes understanding, that passes logic and reason, a peace that doesn't even make any sense in the circumstances that you live in will keep your heart and your mind in, through Christ Jesus. And that peace came and I turned to, my, to Summer, Brenda, and I said, he's going to be all right. I got peace. And, uh, you know, I, I called his mother and she had peace. You know, in all the years of ministry and, and all the years of personal things that I've faced, I've always been able to trust the peace of God. Matter of fact, the Bible says, let peace be the referee in your heart. And when I have peace, I don't try to figure everything else out. I don't try to figure out anything else. I just know everything's going to be all right. No matter what comes up, no matter what bumps there may be in the road, everything's going to be all right. So I know that also, every seed bears after its own kind. And if I'm praying and binding and loosening and doing whatever I'm doing and it's coming out of fear, I'm planting seeds of fear in my heart. And those seeds of fear can only grow fruit that causes more fear. We've got to get to the place of peace. You know, when Jesus worked the miracle of feeding the 5,000, he prayed first. He, he, he got himself in that place of peace, and then he was able to multiply the fish and the bread to, to do something beyond any expectation, beyond anything that made any sense. So, uh, in Ephesians, it's saying, no matter what hits you, no matter where it comes from, you have to navigate or move in a way that you do not lose your footing. Well, Ephesians 6.15 would really be more appropriately translated. I like the way the Amplified Bible translates. You can look it up. But it would be more appropriately translated to say some, sound something like this. Uh, have, have your feet shod with a readiness of mind. Now, readiness of mind is ready to react. You know, the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. One translation says, above all that you keep. One says, you know, be a vigilante in guarding your heart. In other words, man, respond immediately because whatever gets in your heart is going to determine the boundaries of, of that situation. Uh, the, in the English, they translate it as issues, you know, uh, the issues of the heart. Well, that's really the boundaries of the heart. All that your life is is based on the boundaries of, of your heart. So no matter how you're hit, no matter what happens, you want to have a readiness of mind in the gospel of peace, which means that's going to be my first reaction. But let me go a step further. I think it's the Amplified translation that says this, this way. It says, it says, have your feet shod with a readiness of mind that comes from a thorough preparation in the gospel of peace. See, we've got to invest in ourselves. It's got to be deliberate. It's got to be vigilant. It's got to be serious. It's got to be intentional. That I am in Jesus. God and I are at peace. And none of this is happening to me. It has anything to do with God. So my first reaction is not going to be, why is this happening to me? My first reaction is not going to be messing with the devil. My first reaction is going to be exactly what Jesus said to do. I'm going to use the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to say, no. This 
is not legal. Even if I deserve it, it's not legal because I'm delivered from the curse. And I'm going to bind it, I'm going to stop it, and I'm going to begin to speak the blessings in my own heart, in my own life, and that's what I'm going to focus on, that's what I'm going to meditate on. And I'm going to tell you something. If Job had known what we know and done it, he'd have never gone through all that, all that stuff. And you know what? You do know it. The question is, <clears throat> do you have a readiness of mind because you have thoroughly prepared, thoroughly established yourself in the gospel of peace? Let me tell you something. Every week you can come here and you can hear incredible messages. Matter of fact, you can go to my website and get all hundreds of videos that you can watch that will encourage you and build you up. You'll never get a beat down here. You'll only hear the good news. Let me tell you something. If this blessed you, if this helped you, be sure and comment. Just share the things that help you. People love these comments and these testimonies because it helps them. Also, be sure and like our page. And if you really want to help us, subscribe to this page and share these messages with other people because I know know you're bound to be thinking right now of people who are going through things and are wondering, is God letting this happen to me? Is the Why is the devil doing this to me? And you're thinking, man, they, they, they need to hear a, an encouraging word based on the promises of God. Well, here it is. You got it. Well, listen, uh, you're going to love what we're going to start on next week. So I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.